Hello and welcome to Bear Academy podcast. Here we talk things about design, productivity, and technology. I'm your host, Bear, a UX designer who lives in Auckland, New Zealand. And I think one of the best things that you can do is diversify your experience in the first ten years of your career. And so, one of the things that I would say to avoid is、um, keeping your first five to ten years of work homogenous, and instead really work towards diversifying the first decade of your career. And then, you know, once you've got seven, eight, nine, ten years of experience. You can really, you know,、uh, you know, factually say, well, I really dislike financial services work, but what I really do like is I like doing commerce work. I really enjoy the commerce, or, or I like doing not, you know, nonprofit work. So I'm going to go work in the in the you know in the public sector,、um, and that really, and then you can really kind of refine kind of the next part of your career as well. Many people asked me to recommend books for learning UX, and there's a must-read book on my top five list: Lean UX by Jeff Goldfield. Who's Jeff? According to Google Books, Jeff Goldfield is the co-author of Lean UX and Sense and Respond, as well as a speaker and organizational designer. He was most recently nominated for a Thinker 50 Award for innovation. Over his 20 years in technology, Jeff has worked to bring a customer-centric, evidence-based approach to product strategy, design, and leadership at a wide range of companies like Neo Innovation, The Ladders, Web Trends, and AOL. He regularly keynotes conferences, teaches workshops, and works directly with client leadership teams across North America, Europe, and Asia. This is who Jeff is. I had the honor of talk of talking with Jeff twice. The first time was to introduce his new book, Forever Employable, and then I scheduled another interview with him recently. To talk about design. At first, I would like to hear his suggestions for junior designers and career transitioners. But then, I found most of the suggestions for junior designers from him could be found in his two books, Lean UX and Forever Employable. I don't need to waste too much time on talking about this. If you are really interested. In getting your first job in design industry, the best approach would be reading these two books. But as a senior senior designer, I mean a design leader in his、um, industry,、uh, in his experience, he definitely has heaps of experience to provide guidance for intermediate and senior designers. So, let me let me describe the user case like this. Probably that will be easier to understand. As a guy who would like to start my designer career, I got a designer job and work as a designer every day. That's great. I got myself in the party, but now what? How could I become a senior designer? What are the pitfalls that I need to avoid? What is the roadmap for my career? And back to the basic: how to define a senior designer? I asked Jeff these questions and got heaps of insightful answers. So, for this episode of Bear Academy podcast, I brought to you Jeff Goldfield, the Author of Lean UX, Forever Employable, 
a speaker and organizational designer. Let's jump into it. What I used to do in the previous podcast is that I would、uh, send an agenda with、uh, with the questions and something I would like to ask.、Uh, yeah, I did that for、uh, for this chat、um, and provide some、uh, and propelled some questions related to how a designer, especially for a junior designer,、uh, when they got involved as the UX designer, what Will be the challenges for them, and how did how can they cope with it? So this is at first was my、uh, was my first version of the questions, but then I、yeah. think、uh, I, I, then I think again because、um, during what I work at this stage,、um, the current challenge、uh, I got is、uh, it's not exactly for junior designers; it's more like for the intermediate to senior designer. Um, how to? Because I I think at this stage, like if you if you're a junior designer, it will be more related to the techniques and principles, and probably the best way for the junior designers just read your book like Lean Lean UX and start to adapt some techniques in their、uh, in their job. But as a senior designer, it might be more complex because、uh, there could be.、Uh, Uh, the challenges is not just about the project, maybe about stakeholders, about business. So、uh, it will be more complex. I think your experience, because you have a, a great experience in this field, might help for those people. So I、uh, decided to pivot the thing from intermediate, uh, uh, from uh, from from junior to intermediate、uh, senior designer and. Um, like it's a it's a informal chat, but basically it's just about、um, some、uh, some challenges, especially I I have during during this stage, and also some questions I found from other、uh, designers who already worked in the industry for a few years, and some common、uh, common challenges, common questions. So I think just、uh, just had a、uh, have a informal chat. With you about your insights and opinions. So does that、okay. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That that works for me. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Because、um, I would like to start with、um, with this one because、uh, it probably、uh, a general one、um, as the as a designer, especially as a UX designer.、Um, what Uh, from your experience, like、uh, working for different companies, different clients, and、uh, start your own、uh, business, and、um, uh, for for such a long time,、uh, you you might see you already see many different、um, mistakes from、uh, from other designers, or might from might be from from yourself. So, what are the common mistakes? That UX designers、um, make when they work with a with a team,、um, it probably work with an agile team or、uh, in a general、uh, work with、uh, with other people. So, what are the the most common mistakes you you've ever seen from other designers? Yeah, it's a big question、um, because really it, it it depends a lot on your career goals. I think looking back. Especially when I was managing designers, I think some of the biggest mistakes I've seen designers do. So there's this, there was a trend for a while. And to be fair, I haven't hired designers in a long time or managed a group of designers in a long time. But there's this, there was this trend to say, well, basically, I've worked professionally for two years, so I'm a senior designer now.、Um, and there was this kind of rush to.、Uh, Grab a job title where the experience didn't warrant it. There was a push for、um, seniority where the experience didn't match the level that was being requested. And so I've seen that. I saw that a lot for a long time. Somebody would say, "Well, look, I'm three years in, or five years, even five years in. I'm a senior designer." And you're you're not. I mean, you're five years into your career, right? And so that gives you experience. But to, to consider yourself one of、um, and and, and so, so I think there's no and there's no need to rush 
I think, for that. Um, there are plenty of design jobs. There are plenty of, of entry-level jobs. There are plenty of senior jobs. Um, there are plenty of leadership jobs. And I think one of the best things that you can do is diversify your experience in the first 10 years of your career. So one of the other mistakes I've seen is somebody will get into an organization or a type of organization and then stay in that organization for a decade, right? Or in that, like, so you'll work in, in a bank and you'll stay in that bank for 10 years, or you'll work in financial services for 10 years. And while that specialization does help in some situations, it limits your exposure to other ideas, to other ways of working, to other industries. And so one of the things that I would say to avoid is um, keeping your first five to 10 years of work homogenous and instead really work towards diversifying the first decade of your career, really trying to get a little bit of agency experience, a little bit of in-house experience, some retail, some financial services, some healthcare, some commerce, government work, whatever it is, right? But really try to get a bit of a broader sense. And look, agencies are good for this, right? So agencies are a great way to get a variety of insight. But, and then, you know, once you've got seven, eight, nine, ten years of experience, you can really, you know, uh, you know, factually say, well, I really dislike financial services work. But what I really do like is I like doing commerce work. I really enjoy the commerce work, or I like doing not, you know, nonprofit work. So I'm going to go work in the in the you know in the public sector, um, and that really, and then you can really kind of refine kind of the next part of your career as well. And so those are at least two things that come to mind right away is this assumption that, hey, I'm, I've been working for three years, so I'm a senior designer and saying, well, I only want to work for startups or I only want to work for agencies. I think that's that's risky to your career long term. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. That's awesome. So uh, can I um, can I uh, use my word to uh, like to uh, to to redescribe it like uh, the first one is as a senior designers as a senior designers some of them are not junior enough so um, that they have uh, uh, they, they probably need more uh, fundamental practice uh, like to to improve their fundamental skills as a um, in a junior level or is, is this something that you like to describe it no, like this? No, yeah. I just, I, th I think people jump to the conclusion that they are now a senior designer with too little experience. At least that's been, that, that was my experience when I was hiring designers. You know, you'd see someone with three to five years of experience on their, on their uh, CV and they're asking for a senior, a senior designer role, right? I'm not going to hire somebody after three years of experience for a senior designer role. You're not a senior designer. Yes. At that yeah. point. Um, you know, as a senior designer, you should be able to mentor other designers. You should be able, you should have enough experience to avoid some of the common pitfalls. And after three years of work, you just don't have that. Yeah, totally makes sense. And 100% uh, agree. Because, uh, yeah, that, and, and that's quite common because uh, uh, sometimes we like the title doesn't represent uh, what you're capable of and especially yeah if people just have a few years like three to five years experience and especially if they just focus on one field like in, in uh, one industry uh, got really deep in that level but uh, if they jump to another field and doesn't have enough uh, understanding or enough knowledge to, to, to make the right um, judgment or decision, so it could be quite, um, quite, quite rush. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and yeah, I totally agree. That the the second one is something. Also, when when you uh, when you uh, when you're saying that, um, I can't help thinking like, for example, if um, if a professional uh, he or she is not a designer yet, but would like to transition uh, his or her career into design uh, into design industry, and probably it's in his or her middle age, like thirty, even forty. So, mm -hmm. um, 
is that also the same strategy you would recommend for, I, I mean, for graduate or just uh, some uh, young designer just enter the industry? It probably good for them to try different things, to try everything, and find out which way would be the right direction to go deeper uh, in the in the second decade of their career. But if for like middle like uh, for a thirty-year-old designer or forty-year-old designer just start their career, is that something you also recommend to do that? So look, I think I, th- I think if you're in your thirties and in your forties, you have experience with specific industries, and so you know you have a little bit more experience to say, look, I know that I really enjoy working in retail, or I really enjoy working in healthcare, and I've seen so much bad design there. And I really want to become a better, you know, a designer in healthcare because I have a better sense of that. Yeah. So you might have a better sense about the industry you'd like to work in. So I think in that sense, you can probably make a better decision. But um, beyond that, uh, you know, I, I think still trying to get a variety of experience in that domain is smart. So you might go into an organization right away. Um, but if there's an opportunity for you to go work, for example, at an agency that specializes in healthcare clients, that might be a nice way to get a broad set of experiences first and then narrow it down. So I do think you've got more experience. I do think you can refine your direction a bit more explicitly mm-hmm. um, if you're transitioning into UX in your 30s or in your 40s. But ultimately, I think still even a broad variety inside that direction is worthwhile. Yep, that's awesome. And Flora just asked a big question and jump start uh, like always with uh, with all the uh, discussion. But yeah, um, and I think because that could be a question uh, just for start this conversation. But also, I think what you mentioned, a senior designer. Um, like your definition of a senior designer should be influence other designers and should be able to guide uh, the the design process and may, might yeah. be uh, necessary to 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 drive the even sometimes in, influence the the business decisions. So um, could you like give uh, give us an example or how you define a senior designer and um, what will be the best uh, practice or best way to to go for uh, to 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 become a senior designer? Like, um, what will what will be your suggestion for those people who would like to become a senior designer? Yes, it's probably two questions. Uh, what is a senior designer and how to become a senior designer? I'm going to find a link to share with you. We we ran an agency between the years of 2012 and 2015. Um, based in the United States and then ultimately globally. And we developed a fantastic hiring matrix that is sadly still difficult. To, it's difficult to find now because the website's been down for a while. But I'll find it and I'll share a link with you because we really simplified it. We had we had product managers, designers, and engineers. And we had basically, it, was, um, it wasn't junior, senior, uh, director it was it was sort of it was like designer senior designer and then director and those were the levels that we had in a small agency so those were the levels and we articulated it very very clearly so i'm going to find this link to share with you so that you can hopefully share it with your listeners there but the short of it is that as a senior designer you need to be able to not only uh do uh, lead lead clients you're leading team or client facing meetings you are mentoring other designers. You are contributing well beyond the artifacts of design. You're contributing to design strategy, to product strategy. You're thinking about the business model. Um, and you are avoiding the common pitfalls that lesser, less experienced designers would normally fall into. Um, you're justifying all of your work with data or with evidence or with more than, well, I'm a good designer and I like it type of comments, right? Um, 
that's the kind of stuff that I would expect from a senior designer. But I'll find that link and I'll share it with you. I think it'll be very valuable. Thanks, Jeff. That will that will be awesome because uh, yeah, before that I saw something like a, a, like a skill matrix to to validate how good a designer is or or uh, like entry level, middle uh, middle senior things like that, and with some different uh, skills like presentation, uh, IA, and um, yeah, you uh, interface design things like that. So it can uh, separate different different things. But I think what you mentioned, uh, like uh, the 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 uh, the measurement for for designer should be uh, as as simple as possible, and also could be backed by could be backed by the by by other ways like data how they can uh, they can um, use use the data they collected uh, or they found from uh, from during the research to to influence other. Uh, other stakeholders or business, so things like that. Yeah, that's something just crossed my, crossed my mind, like a skill matrix that yeah. can uh, can use. And yeah, that's um, and I really like what you mentioned. Like, uh, a senior designer should be able to avoid the the common pitfalls. So, which uh, like other uh, a junior designer might have. Could you give me some examples? Like, what are the common pitfalls and and your suggestion of how to avoid it, how to avoid them? Yeah, common pitfalls for what? Um, for, uh, for, I mean, for like, uh, if I'm a, uh, if I'm a designer, I'm, uh, I'm being involved in a project, and during this process, um, I might need to uh, design the concept. And uh, share with the team, and also back up with with some uh, with some support with some data or other things. So during this whole process, what could be the common pitfalls uh, for designers to make? Actually, I, I had uh, a few personal ex- experience. Uh, per- personal ex- example could be one of the common pitfalls. Uh, uh, so pro- probably I can share with you first, and then you can. Give me some other examples that might came came to can come to your mind. Is that does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So look, I think the 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 most important thing that you can do is you need to come in to any kind of a discussion or or a review session for your work with 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 evidence for why you've chosen to make these decisions, or at least justification that goes beyond, I think it looks good or I think it'll work. I think you need to say, we observed and we've seen through the analytics that people really struggle in step three of the checkout process. And when we talked to them, they said that they really struggled to figure out how to keep adding things to their cart and then check out. So what we did here was we made, what we believe we did was we made the, the add to cart button really obvious. And, yeah. and in our usability testing, it seems that people really had no issues with this and it seems to have solved the problem, right? That's at least a compelling argument for why you did that work, yeah. right? Other than I, I thought it would work, right? And I think that that's the most important part is if you come in with a, um, a well thought out argument that is fact-based, that is evidence-based about why you did the work that you did, well, you stand a better chance of defending your design, which we find ourselves a lot in that position is, is how do we defend our work um, to, to other folks? Because design is so tangible, everybody can see it, everybody can touch it, everyone has an opinion about it. And so that's really, I think that's really important. I think that uh, it, there, was, there was a quote, I think it was from Jim Barksdale, I think his name was the CEO of, of Netscape. He said, um, oh, what was the quote? It was something like, um, if, if you have an idea, bring evidence to back it up. Um, it, 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 without any data, it's a battle of opinions and my opinion always wins. So, something like that. It was like, mm. like basically, if you, don't, if you don't bring evidence to the conversation, then my opinion will always win. 
And I think yeah. that that's what, you, that's what you need to do. You need to come in and say, look, this is why we chose to do this. Otherwise you're just making art and yeah. we're not making art. We're, we're doing design. And I think that that's really important to, to recognize and differentiate. Yeah, that's a great one. And actually I think uh, could be one of the most important uh, thing to be care about uh, uh, for all designers to always back up your, back your design with, uh, with evidence and uh, with data with without the proof um yeah uh the the case i had uh quite similar as uh, as the as a pitfall is that um i was involved in uh, a project uh, in the middle of the process um and also uh, i gained uh, the resource to to do a proper user testing uh, user interviews uh, and also uh, came out, uh, came to the recommended uh, recommended solution, backed by the user testing data, and also by, uh, backed by the uh, by the quantitative data, um, and worked the uh, the solution with the business stakeholders, and uh, got the agreement, and which made me feel okay. So uh, that's. Perfect. So I got um, agreement uh, from business, but then um, I was pushed back uh, by uh, by solution design by the architect, and yeah. uh, I made a big mistake that I didn't involve the tech stakeholders in for that design. Um, yeah, because different reasons, but yeah, just my my thoughts. Um, I know how I, I know that could be something I can improve for the next time, but. I just wonder if uh, do you have uh, do you ha have you seen other designers make mistakes like this? And if it's you, uh, what would you do to uh, to to prevent it? Or if it happened on you, what will you do to uh, to fix it? Yeah, look, it's 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 a common mistake, right? I mean, look, we we think we know what we're doing, and we do know what we're doing, and we we have a, we have a good gut sense that. This is a uh, this is the right direction for us to move forward in, for example. Um, and so we get excited about our work. We get optimistic about our work, and we get overconfident. And I think that that is common for designers of any level. And the thing to always push back on is to say, this is what I believe to be true. Here's why I believe to be true. And if you don't have the evidence, then say so. Say, look, based on my experience, I think this is a good solution. And so the next step that I'd like to do is to take this idea and test it in this way, in that way, in this third way. And I'll be back in a few days with some, with some data and we can talk about how to move forward. And to me, that becomes a far more compelling conversation than, uh, trying to manufacture uh, evidence that you don't have, right? Or trying to justify because you don't have it. If you don't have the evidence, say so. Admit it, say, look, I don't have it. I'm gonna go get it. It won't take long. So let's let's reconvene in three days and then we can make a decision. Yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, actually, Jeff, it's, uh, it's uh, slightly different as um, for the case I, I described is that I got the evidence uh, that because uh, I got the data from user, but that just uh, the solution I suggested because uh, there are uh, a few options that uh, the best solution I think uh, and also backed by the user's testing data is the uh, is the best for of uh, from user experience perspective. But uh, after the uh, discussion with tech. Uh, stakeholders, uh, we compromise to the one with uh, not as so not so good user experience, but is feasible with the time frame of the of the project with the uh, available resource of the project. So we make the compromise. Uh, I think I can do it better uh, if it's like another time I. I, I was I, I would be involved in such a project. I will uh, engage the uh, tech stakeholders in the early stage 
So yeah, it's slightly different as this. So I already got it, the evidence backed by 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 user testing, uh, by by the result. But it's just we know it. But are we compromised to to uh, uh, the second choice? Yeah, that's. Um, I, I don't know if it's something like also quite common in other business or yeah. Have you have you have any experience related to this example? I mean, look. Compromise is is sadly the nature of 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 you know the, any business these days. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting, right? And, and you know, in a compromise, nobody wins, and and <laughs> so you've really got to be careful about what you're compromising on and why. And you should be explicit about that, and you should be explicit about the things you will not compromise on. Now, this comes back to the organization. This comes back to culture, because as a designer. It's tough. It's tough to influence some of that. But for example, you take a look at a company like it's a super easy example. So forgive me for reaching for the obvious, but you look at Apple, right? At Apple, they do not compromise on design, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. not done, right? And so if there's two, if there are two solutions, and one is more,、uh, one is a better design but more technically difficult, and one is a Lesser design, but more technically easy. Apple will always do the better design and the more technically difficult one, because that's not—they're not willing to compromise about design. And so, sadly, we live in in a world where most most teams and most organizations compromise on on everything. And I think that that's one of the things that teams lack,、um, organizations lack, is a real strict sense of. Values and goals. Like, what are we not going to compromise to achieve our goals? And and those things end up becoming your brand values as well, right? Yeah. So again, reaching for the obvious example with Apple, you know their brand value. Everyone knows their brand value, right? Because they know that Apple's going to make really great designed products because they do not compromise on that. Um, and so I think you should watch out for compromise. And I think if it continues to happen inside your organization, I think as a designer, and especially a designer who's been there a little while and has some clout, it's a good opportunity to raise your hand and say, "Listen, we keep compromising on this, and we keep putting out suboptimal user experiences here." At some point, we've got to draw the line and say we're not going to compromise on this, and and push for it, and see what happens. Because what happens will reveal the culture of the organization. The organization may say, "Well, that's great. You know what? We're just going to ship it anyway and get as many features out there as we can." And in that world, right, you're going to always be compromising the design. So maybe you don't want to work there anymore, right?、Uh, and so, so again, it's it's a really good test, especially if you kind of a mid-level or a senior. Designer to raise your hand and say, "Listen, this is,、um, you know, we we keep compromising this. We've got to take a stand." Yeah, I got what you mean, Jeff. That's a great,、uh, that's a great suggestion because it would be good that we、uh, raise the hand and to test like what is exactly the the value or of the company or the goal of the company. So,、yeah. uh, like the、uh, what. The, What's the bottom line? What's the baseline of、uh, of the business, and then、uh, can make a better decision after that. Like,、uh, yeah, that's that's a great、uh, great suggestion. I think if、uh, someone has the same、um, same struggle or some、uh, same questions, could be、uh, tested with uh, with with、uh, stand up and raise the problem. Yeah, and if you、uh, if you compromise at first, that that means you will always need to take a step back and another steps back and another, and then yeah, and just、uh, decrease the value、uh, for as a designer. So yeah, that's、um, that's a great example. Thanks, Jeff.、Um, I have some other question, and also、uh, speaking of the value, I think one thing.、Uh, Could be quite general, but、uh, I really want to ask this question: Is how we can show the、uh, the the value of your design or the value of、um, of your、uh, of the of the UX? Probably、uh, just about design. So, as a designer, we know、um, we can do we can provide a, a solution 
backed by by evidence and also uh, probably from the product people's perspective um, the developers they are the people who can build it and some other product people uh, might I think I have the same uh, suggestion. I have this. I already know the solution because I know better than uh, about the product or about the project than other people. So uh, how we can show the value? How we can show the value as a designer? Um, it's probably too general, but I really want to know uh, hear your opinion, insights uh, on this. Look, you're solving customer problems and you're you're solving business problems. Those solutions have value. So if you make customers more successful, that has value. What is that value? However, whatever your business model is, the design work that you do impacts that business model one way or the other. And so if you can clearly say, look, when we updated this workflow, the average order value went up by 15% across the board, that's the value of design, right? Yeah. Uh, if you can clearly say, uh, look, when we reduced the sign-up process by three steps, we got 90% more sign-ups than we have in the past, right? Yeah. That is an impact to design. That's the measure, the measurability of design. And so to do that, you have to have a clear sense of the problem that you're solving, right? If you're just saying, look, hey, we made this great design. And everyone's like, okay, cool. Like, is it good? Is it bad? What is it solving? What's it for? That's that becomes a, a difficult conversation to prove um, the value of design. But if, if the team sets out and says, look, our job, we've seen average order values for our e-commerce site decline month over month now for six months. So our job is to uh, get average order value to, to, to stop declining and even increase by 5%. Now you've got a problem, so you can go solve that problem. And as you build designs and solutions to do that, you're gonna come back at some point and say, look, the work that we did seems to have, uh, you know, our average order values aren't falling anymore. In fact, they've been flat now for two months, which is great, right? Our next effort is to try to lift them up from, you know, flat to 5% increase. And so that is the impact of design. It's measured in the behavior of the users of the system. And that's why this isn't art, that's why this is design, because if your idea did not move the metrics that you're measuring in the right direction, then your design did not add value. So hopefully you can go learn why that happened, why your design did not add value, yep. and then try again. And then based on that, on, on the second try, the third try, the fourth try, you again, you measure the behavior of your customers. And that's absolutely the key here. Right. And I think that's also adapted. Uh, that's also uh, uh, work for the new feature or the new project, uh, the new product, if it doesn't have the, uh, the compare, comparison uh, about what before and after. Yeah, but uh, it's also is find something like because even for a brand new project, a brand new product, there will be a pro a problem uh, statement, and also to identify like the market or uh, at like the uh, the scope of the project. So uh, can always uh, find some measurement of of the of the design. Is that what you also uh, suggested? Yeah, look, you need that baseline, right? So you need yeah. uh, something that says, it, before we did the work, it was X, and now it's X plus 2%, or X minus 10%, or whatever it is. And, you know, as long as there's an existing system, normally that data exists. Where this becomes a challenge is, uh, is like you said, with a brand new product that doesn't exist. And so in that situation, you really have to t make a decision that says, look, the market opportunity is, is $80 billion, right? In the first year, we'd like to capture 15 million of those dollars, right? So that's, so we, at least we have, we have a, we have a target, we have a goal, we have something we believe to be, um, uh, something we believe to be, uh, 
of value. And the only way that we're going to know it's of value is if we change behavior and we believe that we can capture 15 million. Now you might come back and say, look, we captured 7 million, right? So why didn't we capture the other eight is a good conversation to have. But that's, that's really the key here is to, is to have a goal. It's a customer centric and outcome goal to really make this successful. Yeah, that was great. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, I think it's quite helpful for everyone who's listening uh, about this, but uh, probably some someone might have the same um, question in my mind because uh, I'm thinking like uh, if I'm a designer and the things uh, we're talking here, a lot of things related to find the evidence, find the proof of um, to measure your design, is that means that uh, data analytics, like uh, we, we might need to think as a data analyst and also probably need some skill set on that part to find out which data would be useful and helpful for, for, for show, uh, for, for proving our design. Is that something um, you suggest? Like uh, we might need to improve our data anal analyzing skill, things like that. Um, look, Yes, I mean, in the sense that you need access to the data, right? And yep. you need uh, easy, regular access to the data. You need to, at the very least, get the data in a way that you can make sense of it. Now, if, if you have the kind of data analysis skills that you just mentioned, then um, it doesn't, uh, you, you know, you can probably do it on your own. Many designers don't have that skill set, and so they need the data formatted for them in some kind of an effective way. Now, you can ask your business intelligence team to do that, or your data scientists to do that, or business analysts, or whatever it is. Um, you can use standard reporting from the reporting tools that we normally use to do that. Um, or you could try to find products that really make it easy for you to, uh, uh, to, to get that information is a friend of mine uh, named Stephen Cohen, who uh, is building a new product called impact product, which is exactly this for designers. It's basically how as a designer, can I get really easy access to the metrics for the workflows that I build? And he's built this browser plugin that basically allows you to see data analytics for all of your work very quickly. And so that's one way to do that. That's really dealing with this exact question there, which is um, uh, how can as, as a designer who doesn't have access to the raw data and doesn't know what to do with that, even if I had access to it, how do I build regular continuous access to understandable information about my work? And, and so like products like impact product are a great way to go. That's right. Yeah, I will do a, some Google research after that and to, to, to find that out. Cool, thanks, Jeff. Um, yeah, probably a lot of serious questions, but I don't want to ask too many questions because we, uh, we have 10 minutes and I want to give it uh, according to the time. Um, just uh, two questions related to uh, you as, as a senior designer, but also as a design manager, you manage a lot of designers. Uh, you, you have those experience. Uh, what, uh, according to that experience as a design manager, what do you think the best way for designers, like for, uh, for designers in different levels to, to learn and grow in a team? So yeah, this could probably also a broad question, but yeah, like this look, so, so look, I can give you the generic answers of, you know, read books and do the work and attend conferences and take classes. And those are important and you should do that. So I'm not trying to trivialize that kind of stuff, but I'll, I'll say something else. And, I'll, and it comes back to the beginning of our conversation, which is try to find a place to work with someone or some ones who will mentor you or find a mentor or something along those lines. I think the best fastest way for you to learn is from somebody else and somebody who can who can mentor you along the way and so that's part of the thing part of the things that I, I think junior designers don't look for when they interview for jobs is what can I learn from this boss what can I learn from my colleagues here and that's something that I would absolutely um, 
build into my job search process as a designer so that I can always grow, right? What can I learn from this person? Or what can I learn by working with this team? And that's one of the best ways that you can level up and skill up beyond taking courses and getting taking classes and going to conferences, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's a great one. And sometimes we, we might ignore the best resources, the place we're working at. Um, and there could be some uh, expert in this field and we can learn it from there, from, from them, rather than just to take on some uh, online courses or other things, but could be uh, not immediately can can improve you in the real world scenario yeah that's yeah. um yeah that's great um and by the way also like other resources uh, like conferences podcasts yeah all the all the online learning courses and they are i, I i'm thinking like at this stage this day uh, uh this age probably the best age if you want to learn something by yourself you can get unlimited resource and uh, all the ways that uh, is uh, available for you. So uh, it's the best age for everyone to learn. And yeah, for the designers, I think that would be super important to have a mentor. Um, yeah, totally agree. You can't, you can't be underestimated, honestly. And it's one of those things that I think get underestimated. I, I think that, that not enough designers seek out mentors. And again, this comes back to the beginning of our conversation, Bear. And I think part of it is because a lot of designers will say, look, I'm three years in, I'm a senior designer, I don't need a mentor, right? And that's mm. BS. You're, yeah. you're not a senior designer, as I said before, and a mentor would help you tremendously. And I, frankly, I, I wish I had them. I wish, and I wish I'd sought them out more growing up. It's it's a humble move, right? It's, it's a, it, and it's tough for people who have, uh, big egos like me and and a strong belief in their skill sets is to say look i need help and i want to learn from somebody else but i i can't stress enough how valuable that is in your career yeah that's great and actually you just answered one of uh one of my questions like what will you do if you can go with uh, go uh go again like uh, start from the uh, from the beginning and probably uh, reach out for a mentor would be would be your uh, yeah, your suggestion if you have the uh, the ch the chance to go over again, yeah, absolutely, um, right. And uh, one question is just about like at this stage, uh, work remotely become uh, become the new norm, and it probably will last for uh, like become the new norm and uh, affect us for for many years and also. Like last time when we have the uh, conversation, it's like uh, you also uh, said uh, our ways of work was accelerated by, by, by this, by by COVID. And uh, my question is how, like, how does a designer uh, can cope with it or can guess can get the right position according to this new new uh, new norm? And as the for example, like. Designers, sometimes we need to um, communicate in person or uh, to capture some, uh, some, some more information in, in, in person. Like the bandwidth of, um, of communication online is limited by, uh, limited quite a lot. So what, this is one, uh, one example for it, but generally what do you think for the strategy for designer can cope with the work remotely norm and get the best result from it. So look, there's a few opportunities here. First of all, the fact that geography doesn't matter anymore is a tremendous opportunity. So for folks who don't live in New York or London or San Francisco or Boston, you know, um, you can get jobs in those cities now with companies that are based in those cities. So I think that that's tremendous. Um, I think community, is really important to stay sane. So find your community, whether it's a Slack channel, whether it's Twitter, whether it's just a private group of folks that you trust. I think that's really, really valuable. I have a community of people that I trust and I curate that community and it's very important to me to maintain my sanity, um, to generate opportunities, to find collaborations, to learn uh, from those folks. 
I think that, um, uh, you know, spend the time trying out all of the different tools that are available today. We're, we're at an interesting inflection point. Um, the virus has, or the pandemic has accelerated, I think by a decade, the acceptance of remote and distributed teams. So I think that that's a positive thing. The negative thing here, I think, is that the tools that we have today have done the best job they can emulating the physical world. And so we're at a place now where we've got virtual whiteboards and we've got virtual, you know, conference calls and virtual, you know, handoffs and, you know, real-time collaboration. But what we haven't seen yet, and I'm looking forward to it, is, okay, now what, right? So we've seen this before. Every time, like every time something happens, technology ends up mimicking the real world. And then people are like, oh, wait, this technology thing can do a lot more, and we push it forward. Like, so if you you remember Web 1.0, right? Web 1.0 was digital brochures, right? It was like taking the stuff that was on paper and then just putting it online identical yeah. right and then people are like oh crap this web thing can do a lot more right now we've got all these businesses running online i think we're at that same point now like we took we took the real world experiences and we duplicated them in the digital right yeah now now that we're kind of going we're going to be forced to be in this in this reality for a while longer it's not going to go away in 6 months necessarily um now I'm really curious to see what Mural does, what Miro does, what uh, Envision uh, does, right? Uh, Figma, like what do these tools do now to really take advantage of the technology, right? In ways that we haven't imagined yet. So we've copied the physical world. Okay, cool, we're there. What's next? I, I don't know, I'm super excited to see it. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, great insight, and I I have exactly uh, the same uh, feeling and question. Like uh, in my imagination, uh, we haven't got the best way to collaborate with other designers. So in my mind, it could be like uh, Miro plus Figma plus Zoom, um, and uh, yeah, like a live prototype or other things uh, like Envision together as a as a tool. But then uh, you you reminded that it could be like we are just re, uh, duplicate things from physical world. It it feels like before uh, before cars was invented, everyone just imagined like uh, this faster horse is the things I want is the is the best I can got. But nobody can can really imagine uh, what a car looks like at before a card was invented. So we right. are just about at that age that probably uh, for designers perspective, it will be super exciting to see uh, the tools can, as you said, take advantage of the, of the technology and, uh, and really help us to, 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 to develop or to invent um, um, like a new, a, a really new way of work together uh, remotely that could be super exciting and yeah just looking forward to seeing something cool like happen in in a few years ahead like yeah that will be great to see yeah yeah i can't wait i can't wait to see it i um i i look forward i know all those all those companies have taken uh tremendous rounds of funding in the last six months and so they've got the money they've got the momentum I, I can't wait to be surprised to see what they do. Yeah. And like the fundamental uh, uh, construction, like the speed of the internet, like um, uh, 5G, now we have 5G, like uh, it will also become the, uh, the standard uh, in the coming years. And yeah, it could be, could be like, and also uh, the hardware is improving quite a lot. And uh, not only speaking yeah. of the, smartphones but also uh, for for other computer hardware it's uh, it's just not as you, it used to be so it should be something new will happen in 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 the coming years yeah super exciting 
Thanks, Jeff. I think that's all the questions I would like to ask, and also would like to update with what、uh, with your progress. Like uh, uh, now, you're on uh, uh, finish your book, Forever Playable,、uh, uh, and also it it was published.、Uh, what what are you working on right now? And so I, I'm working on more、uh, forever employable educational content is one of the things I'm building. So I'm going to build a,、um, a program around the book Forever Employable and continue、um, telling and promoting, telling people about and promoting the book itself.、Um, in addition to that, I've got I've got a, I've got client work that's keeping me very busy、um, these days. I'm helping、um, one of the biggest telcos in the world kind of become a digital customer centric product organization. So that's been really nice. And then、um, still teaching a lot of classes, teaching Lean UX. Uh, public classes, teaching OKR classes. Oh, and the last thing that's really relevant, I think, to your audience is Josh Seiden and I have、um, signed up to write the third edition of Lean UX. So、wow. that's starting to happen. That won't be out for you know until next year, sometime. But we've started that process, and that's exciting. It's exciting. That book, you know, we finished the first version of that book eight years ago. Mm. And the second version of that book five years ago, and so it's exciting that there's still momentum behind this, and there's still a desire to read this content and update this content. And、so、I'm, I'm super psyched about that. Wow, that's、uh, that's so cool, and it it also、uh, shows that it was tested by by the market and by by the audience. So that that's that's super cool. And I always、uh, recommend to other、uh, designers, especially for UX designers, like、uh, how can I、uh, get familiar with the work I'm going to work uh, uh, in, in as a UX designer. So I always recommend that、uh, them just grab LingUX at first and read it, because、uh, you will learn how it works in the real world scenario. And yeah, that's yeah, that will be really helpful and exciting to to. To to see the third version of, of this book published, yeah, yeah,、cool. me too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you, Jeff. And by the way, uh, um, just a quick update about uh, last time when we had a chat about your book Forever Employable, it was、uh, listened and downloaded for around thirty thirty thousand times, and most of the traffic came from China. So I'm quite surprised because.、Um, Most, because、uh, it was in English, and I don't have, I didn't have enough time to to translate the whole podcast. I just、uh, give the brief、uh, introduction at the beginning of the podcast in Chinese, and most of the audience from China still、uh, listen the whole episode, the whole podcast.、Huh? Yeah, that's、uh, that's quite surprising from from、that's、from my、cool. end. Yeah, good to share with you. And I think you might you might need you might want to、uh, know that. Yeah. So and、uh, yeah, I'm hope for uh, uh, for this one for this、uh, this conversation this podcast that we're going to、uh, share on an in,、uh, on my English podcast,、um, which is still on、uh, building in the process. But I think it might. Uh, it will going to publish around、uh, October, around next month. So I'll I'll send you the link、uh, after it finished, and yeah, and、uh, all the best about、uh, for for the for the project you are working on. And thank you again for accepting this、uh, this meeting and、uh, share a lot of great insights、uh, with me. And yeah, and hopefully.、Uh, In the later stage, we can have other conversation. Maybe、uh, be more specific about some、uh, some topic, about some questions. Yeah. So, is there something you would like to mention at last?、Uh, in, uh, if something I'm missing or something you would like to comment? I I think that、um, especially if you're looking to become a senior designer, I think that Forever Employable is a good book for you to read from a career standpoint. It's not a design book. But it does take a very human-centric approach to career growth and professional development, and so、yep. check it out、um, foreverimployable.com or on Amazon. And、uh, happy to know what you think if you get a chance to read it. Yep. 
Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much for this, and all the best to to all the things you are doing. And、uh, have a have a、uh, evening, right? It's your it's your evening. It's your no, no, it's morning. Oh, it's morning. Then have a great day, and I will share the、uh, the 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 link of the of the show and also show note all the things later after I finish this. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye, Jeff. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one as I am. If you want to learn more, please check the show note at our website, podcast. dot bear dot academy. If you are listening via Apple Podcasts, please leave a comment for it so there will be more people can find this show. If you feel like to share your story or to be the guest, please check the site for details. Bear Academy is a self-learning program providing courses on design, productivity, and career. If you are interested in start a design career, please check Bear Dot Academy for the free course and other useful info. Bear Academy podcasts is my second podcast, and my first one, Bear Talk, started from 2012. Which was Apple's Editor's Choice Award winner in 2013. It is also recommended by many Westerners as the best non-language learning podcast for Chinese learners. If you can speak Mandarin or are learning Mandarin, you should have a try. Check BearTalking.com for details. This is Bear Academy podcast, a podcast about design, productivity, and technology. I'm Bear. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon in the next one. 再见